Father, I bless you and praise you and honor you. Jesus, I honor you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Let's have a good time tonight in the Word. In Jesus' name. We are on a pathway studying Joshua. And last week, we brought up several factors that I need to repeat. I don't need to reteach them. I just need to... Does anybody need a Bible? Okay. I don't see any hands. Things that I want you to put in perspective. We're going into Jericho. We're going to take Jericho tonight. (laughs) Things that we brought up that must be put in our framework of how we look at this. On the way to the battle, we found out last week There was absolutely no retreat. If they did not win this battle, they were going to die. They had no way out of this. They put themselves according to God's direction, and they put themselves in a very tenuous position. There was no element of surprise. Everybody knew what was going on. They had no heavy weapons like catapults, battering rams, moving towers, ladders. They had nothing and no plan. I tell you what, that that is not a place I would like to be, but that is the place where you use what is called F-A-I-T-H, faith. That is what you do. And we found out that there were a couple of things that God thought were very important to take care of. And in the very end of that chapter comes a man to meet Joshua. Joshua goes out at night and he is looking for the plan of God and he looks up at this walled city and all of a sudden Joshua comes front, uh, is confronted with this man and we looked at several things that led us to believe that it was Jesus. Joshua bowed down and called him Lord. No angel would be stupid enough to step in and take God's glory and worship. Jesus himself was in charge. I tell you what, everything was at stake. Every word that had been spoken into the earth concerning the Israelite people and getting into this land of Canaan. They came here 40 years before and didn't get through, but the word was in place in the earth and the word had to come to pass. So the word came so he could lead them. I tell you, that's enough for me to clap my hands and go hallelujah. The word came. Meant that Joshua didn't have to bear alone the burden of leadership. Oh, thank God. If you've ever been in a place where you had a job to do and you were the one who was supposed to lead, I tell you what, knowing that there's God right there by your side is all just wonderful. Jesus had a plan. And we found out that Joshua was confronted with, it's not just a military battle. It is not, our might is not limited to just human activity. I tell you tonight, whatever problem you're in, in Jesus' name, your answer is not limited to just what the earth has to offer. 
I tell you, if I listen to what the world has to say and I swallow it, I'd, I'd be crying right about now. But I'm not crying. I've determined in my heart to believe God. That's a pretty strong statement. I hope you're there too. All right, we're going to start chapter 6. It starts off and it says, Jericho was shut up. Well, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Jericho was shut up. Means they were enclosed in their own fat. What in the world does that mean? They were enclosed in their own fat. The doors were shut. No in and no out. There was, they were imprisoned. All avenues of escape were closed off. That meant that there were no deserters that ran from the battle. There were no, nobody that came out to surrender because the doors were shut and they were closed. Maybe they just felt very confident behind closed doors and shut the, the doors, felt made they, maybe that they could stay for a long period of time within the walls in safety under a siege. I think a lot had to do with what Rahab shared with the spies. She said, the people in this city, their hearts are paralyzed with fear because of what they have heard about this God. Now, the spies from Jericho, I am sure, went to the king and told him that all of these people had passed over, all of these military men, 40,000 men, are camped outside. They knew what was going on, and their hearts were, there's no energy left in their hearts. They're, they're just looking at the situation. What do you do? You shut the doors, and you hope for the best. That is the situation. And then we hear some good words. I'm going to verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, I have given Jericho into your hands. That's God. God opened his mouth and he's going to tell you the way it is when it doesn't look like that. I have given health into your hands. I have given peace into your hands. He's giving Jericho into their hands. That is something you can bank on. Take it to the bank, deposit it, because it's going to come to pass. The captain of the host of the Lord is here to make sure that the word spoken into the earth will come to pass. That's, I am positive, when the Lord spoke that to Joshua, he went like this, got it. I listen to Kenneth Copeland sometimes, and he said, that's how you receive from God. You listen, and then you take it. It's mine. That's what he did. He grabbed that word, when you don't feel well and you read your word and it says that the Lord will heal you, what do you do? You grab that thing. That's what Joshua did. It is a past tense verse. I have given you the city. Battle hasn't even taken place yet. But the end product 
is already in place. That's the way God is. It's finished in the spirit first and then in the physical. Joshua had to make a decision. What do I believe? Do I believe what I see with my eyes? Here I am with 40,000 men. We have no plan. We don't know how to do this. Or do I believe what I just heard from God that says, the city is already mine? It's very important that when God gives you a word, that you receive it, digest it, keep it, nourish it, keep it right here on the inside of you, because that's not the end of the problem. Okay. Even though the Israelites did not have natural weapons, they were loaded with weapons. We have to look at some of these. They had the Ark of the Covenant with them, which was supposed to be the presence of the Lord. They had the ability to obey God. They had God's word of victory, which we just looked at. I have given you the city already. They had the captain of the host of the Lord who was there to work with them. They had trumpets, trumpets, silence, unity, their faith, and glorious shouts of praise to the Lord. All of these are God-type weapons. And 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not like what the world uses. The world looks for guns and, and bombs and stuff like that. And God looks for silence, obedience, unity. He looks for different kinds of weapons. Well, now the Lord begins in verse 7 through 10 and 12 through 15. He is opening up the battle lineup. We're going to make a line of people, like if you're having a parade, and you stand here and you stand here, and this is the order that the, the captain of the Lord says. The captain of the Lord of hosts, he will go first. Thank God Jesus comes and he's right with us and he goes first in the battle. Then come the 40,000 soldiers, seven priests and seven trumpets, the Ark of the Covenant and the rear guard. I'm going to do it again so you get a picture. Put a mental picture in your brain. The captain of the hosts at the front, followed by 40,000 soldiers, yes, 40,000 soldiers, seven priests with seven trumpets. Trumpets are going to be a weapon the Ark of the Covenant, and then the rear guard. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost involved. Jesus at the front, Holy Ghost sitting in the Ark of the Covenant, and Isaiah 52, 12 says, the God of Israel will be your rear guard. There's the Father. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, making the word come to pass, so that in 2016, I can stand here at the pulpit and tell you when God gives his word, he keeps his word. His covenant he'll not break. He'll keep it to a thousand generations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
there is a battle plan. I'm going to skip in the, the battle plan. I'm just going to tell you what it is quickly. And then we're going to pull it apart because this is some kind of battle plan. First of all, in verse 7, he begins the battle plan, go forward. I love this. You don't know, you have no idea what's coming. You have no idea how to accomplish what God is telling you what to do. It's the same direction that God gave to Moses when he was standing at the Red Sea. And in front of him is an ocean. In back of him is Pharaoh coming down the pike after him. On either side are mountains. And God says, go forward. How do you go forward? There's an ocean in front of you. It's the same word that God gave to Joshua when he wanted him to cross over the Jordan River. There's this river at flood stage. And how do I take these people across? All he said was go forward. You have to swallow the go forward before you get the details. He said go forward. Then the, the plan was to circle the walled city once a day, marching for six days. I'm going to give you the plan in just a minute. You are to keep silent, no speech at all. On the seventh day, you will march seven times around the city. Don't talk until the trumpets give a loud blast, and then you are to let your voices go and scream and holler and worship God and praise him with all the strength you have in your body. And the, war, the wall will fall down flat. That's what God said. How does that happen? There's nothing there that's going to make a wall fall down flat. No, there sure isn't in the natural And it says the soldiers will go in straight ahead. That is quite a battle plan. Now let's go back and look and see what we can find out about this plan. They were supposed to circle the walled city of Jericho once a day for six days. Jericho was about seven to nine acres And one of the books I read says it would take a person, if they start at one point and go around a seven to nine acre circle, it would take them about 25 to 35 minutes. But it wasn't one person, it was 40,000 people. So it took a little while to travel around this city. One of the most significant weapons that God used is unity. It took unity of self-control and unity in obedience to not talk. They had no idea what to expect from the the, the people of Jericho. Were they going to come out the doors and try to attack them on the side when they're passing by, they had, they had no idea. Are they going to be up on the top of the roofs of the three-story wall? Are they going to shoot 
boulders at us and arrows and bows and arrows. They didn't know what to expect, but they were told by God that if they would stand tall and they would march, that means at attention, don't say a word, just march around that, that uh, city, they would be experiencing unity. Israel did not know Jericho was shut up. We know it because it's written in the book, but they didn't know that. They didn't know if there were going to be survivors coming out to surrender. They had no idea what was going to happen. They did their seven days of marching, six days of marching, and now we're on the seventh day. Let me just check and see how we're doing here. We're doing good. Seventh day, the number seven is the number of completion. There were seven priests with seven trumpets, seven circuits on the seventh day. That's the number of completion. There were also seven days extended to Jericho for any human being who wanted to repent and turn from their ways. I think that's significant. That was extra time given to them if they wanted to change their mind. There were seven trumpets. No speech, but seven trumpets. And as the priests walked, they blew the trumpet. Trumpets were blown for joyful celebrations. Trumpets were blown as a call to war, which this truly was. Trumpets were blown as a call to worship, to draw the people together to worship. In a sense, it was. Trumpets were blown to proclaim the presence of the Lord. The Lord is taking over this country. He is opening the door for his people. And the trumpets were used to proclaim the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, all land returned to the original owner. And this was a Jubilee year. And the trumpet was being blown. And God is saying with all his might, rightful owners moving in, get out of the way. Here comes the people that I promised this land. They're here. This was a jubilee year. There was no speech. Couldn't talk. Now, I tell you, this to me is just an incredible miracle. If you asked any two people, just two people, never mind 40,000. If you asked two people, don't say a word from now until tomorrow morning. Do you know most of them would not be disciplined enough to do that? They'd be riding home in the car. Oh, I'm not supposed to talk. You know. The significance of what was happening was so big, every one of the men that were in this military knew 
that if they didn't obey God, they were dead. They were sunk. They had a plan. The plan was from God Almighty for their benefit. And every one of them had to make a decision to obey. How does one get 40,000 men to not say a word? Well, he did it. Whatever, I don't know how he did it. I just know he did. Is this the first time that we've seen silence used? Do you remember in the New Testament, in the book of Luke, there was a lady by the name of Elizabeth, and she couldn't have a baby. And an angel came and said, you're going to have a child. And her husband, Zacharias, didn't cooperate. He had too many questions, too much discussion. And the angel looked at him and said, you're not going to say a word until this baby's born. You do not thwart the plan of God. I tell you, that's what was happening. The plan of God was in effect. The plan of God was working. The plan of God required cooperation. And nobody but nobody is going to interrupt God's plan. Shut him. Shut him. And every one of those men decided, I will cooperate with God. It kept them focused and it kept them expecting. What did they do as they marched around the city silent? They have absolutely nothing to say, but their focus is completely on these walls. This, this is the mountain that's in front of them. And as they looked and as they saw, they contemplated, they imagined, what would it be like to have those walls down? 40,000 pair of eyes looking at those walls, intently picturing them gone. We're in control, not them anymore. 40,000 minds and hearts and people, their eyeballs looking at those walls. They were building an inner picture of what God was trying to bring into the earth. I have such an appreciation this past couple of years I don't think I ever saw the impact of what imagination can do until the last couple of years. But I do know this. It is one of God's weapons. It is one of God's weapons. They meditated as they marched, and they saw in their mind's eye walls down, Israelites in control. They did it day after day, after day, after day, after day, after day. What happens to the picture on the inside when you concentrate? Doesn't it begin to get bigger and stronger and clearer? It sure does. They meditated as they marched and developed a clear inner image of walls on the ground and the city under their control. They had a perfect picture of what was going to happen. 
What does that do? From study that I've done, the more we meditate in the word, the clearer the picture comes. And when we open our mouths to allow what's in our spirit man to come out, it's full of faith substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And if you put it in there and put it in there and put it in there, the picture gets defined. It's a God picture. This is where we're going. This is who we're going to be. And 40,000 men cooperated. How does he do it? Get that many people cooperate. Can't even get that many people cooperate on a Sunday morning. Oh, God. That was amazing to me. Okay. So what does it do, this meditation, this focused energy, looking at those walls? They had something to say. They began to see the walls gone. They began to see them in control of the city. And as they saw this, Praise was coming up in their heart. Not fear that anymore. It's changing fear to faith. And as they meditate on it, what's going to come out? Faith. Because the picture has changed from that imagination. Seventh day arrives. The directions are a little different now. Go seven times around the city. And at the sound of the long praise, uh, a, a trumpet with a long blast of the trumpet, they are going to enter into unity of speech. They've been in unity of obedience and self-control. They've been in unity of silence. They've been in unity of speech now. When God says it's time to speak, everybody is going to speak. And they're all going to speak the same thing. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the city. They can see it. They've digested it. They've sat on it. They've nurtured it for six days. That's all they did for six days. And now it was time for that faith sound to come out. And as it's called Hallel, loud praise to the Lord. How many decibels? Oh, I used to do hearing tests in the school. And, you know, they they put these little, 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 tiny, tiny sounds, little beep like that, you know, and you're supposed to tell. How many decibels would that be to be standing in the middle of 40,000 men who had a picture and God told them to let go? And just praise God. It must have been incredible. It must have been incredible allowed. Well, <clears throat> life and death are in the power of the tongue. That shout was loaded with, loaded with a faith substance that it blew down walls. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you remember in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel? That's a wonderful expression to us, a a teaching to us of how valuable unity is. God looked and he said, because there's speech, 
was in unity, nothing they purposed to do would be impossible to them. That's what he said about speech that was against him. It was against him. It was in unity. And even though it was against him, he said that, that, that nothing that they purposed to do would be impossible to, to them. Would anything be impossible to 40,000 men who all had the same speech and were praising the Lord for the same word that was given to them? I have given you the city. I tell you what, nothing was impossible to them. Walls do not go down because you yell at them. Nothing's impossible to them. The walls fell down flat. Um, give me a book or something for just a second. Let, let's, let's look at this as if this is the wall. It's up like this. And if it falls down plunk this way, they would have needed rigging to scale up the wall and come in. It didn't do that. That's not what the, what the Lord said. He said, the walls will fall down flat. How do you get flat walls? Well, we could have an earthquake. And the earthquake would have to open up in the shape of a circle like the wall was around Jericho and fall down flat this way into the earth, but there would be no crevices open or anything like that because the Lord said, you go straight in. That makes sense. As a nurse, I have seen a procedure done called lithotripsy, where they take a person who has kidney stones and they put them in a vat of water and they bombard the water at the area where the problem is, where the kidney stone is, and they will bombard them with sound waves until the stone disintegrates. Sound waves until the stone disintegrates. It pulverizes stone. We use it in medicine today. With the decibels that were being produced by 40,000 men shouting their praise to God for victory, those walls couldn't stand it. They just poof and dust. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! The word of the Lord is standing strong and true. He said that those walls would fall down flat and soldiers go in straight ahead. Now, they still had to fight, but they had already won the war. That's important. They had to show up. They had, they had to cooperate with God. They had to walk into the battle, but they already had won. God gave some direction, and he said, you are to retain the gold and silver for God's treasury. This was to be a first fruits offering. Nobody 
was to take any spoil. Under a normal activity like this, taking over a city, it would have been free for all. You walk in and there's a house, if they have some gold and silver, you can have it. And it, it's not the case here. This is entering into the land that God gave to this group of people. And this is set aside as a holy thing. This is going to be a burnt offering to the Lord. He said, um, everything else except the gold and the silver and the bronze that was to go to the Lord's um, treasury, everything else was to be consumed in fire as a burnt offering to the Lord. The first part goes to him. This is the first battle. It's his. And it needs to be acknowledged as such. There was a curse that was, uh, Joshua spoke to the people. He said the land and the city valued uh, was not to be, this city was not to be rebuilt on this same place. This was holy ground now. This was an offering to the Lord. And in that offering, the direction was given kill everybody except Rahab and her family. That's hard for people to understand. Kill people. What, why would it be so bad to let the people live? Just, just let them go and find another home and, and you keep this as God's territory. The children of Israel had already proven in the wilderness that they were seduced into idolatry very easily. Do you remember when Moses went up into the mountain and came down with the Ten Commandments and he found that they were worshiping a golden calf? Didn't take them very long to find themselves an idol. The Canaanites that lived in Jericho sacrificed babies to their gods and used prostitution in sacred ceremonies. And God did not want that to intermingle with his people or to taint his people. He had just finished having them consecrate themselves anew and afresh before entering into this battle. That's why we killed people. Why do we kill the animals? The poor, I mean, I'm an animal lover. How come they had to kill all the animals? They were raised for sacrifice to other gods. Now, if David came and said to me as a young woman, will you take this diamond ring? I love you so much. And he did. You recognize it as a ring Later on, you recognize it at a ring that he had given to somebody else and said the same words. Oh, it loses its value. It may be a diamond ring, but it's not my diamond ring. God feels the same way. He's a jealous God, 
and our effect, for our affection, and he won't accept leftovers. He's, he's not a God who likes leftovers. He likes first fruits. God will not accept what has been committed to another. So, this was a clean slate. The walls came down. Soldiers went straight in. They did have to fight. They killed every human being that was in there. They killed every animal that was in there. And they burned the place. They made a total destruction. That was the first fruit offering unto the Lord. They had unity in obedience. They had unity in silence. They had unity in speech. They have unity in action. And it led to victory. The destruction of Jericho would melt the hearts of every other city in that land. When they heard that the walled city that is supposed to be the, the, the protection for them fell and it's gone and the people are annihilated. The word of the Lord spread through that country and they, every one of those cities were in fear of the Israelites coming to take them. Now I purposefully haven't touched on Rahab, but we're going to touch on Rahab. How much time do I have? Not much. I'm reading from Verse 20, chapter 6 and verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, you go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out of there and all she has out of there and all she has out of there as you have sworn to her. So the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all she had. They also brought out all her relatives and placed them outside the camp. This is amazing. The whole time that we have been studying this book of Joshua, there's a, a little lady, I'm going to use the, the past tense, who was known to have been a prostitute. I don't think she was at that moment. That's personal opinion. But she, her heart was turned towards God, and she made a bargain, a Hesed bargain, with those spies. She said, I've helped you, now you help me. And the only thing she had to show for the promise that was in front of her was the required red cord that hung from her window. When she heard they are crossing the Jordan River, you think she got ready? I think she got ready. She talked to her parents and her family, and she said, you have to be in the house when they come. And remember, we made a point last week, we're in a hurry, but God isn't. And he had some things he wanted to do that would take several days. And she waited, and she looked out that window, and she made sure the cord was still there maybe even walked out of the, the city and looked at the cord from a distance. Is it visible? I would have done that. 
the moment has come. God said, the walls are going down. We've got a problem. Is God big enough to take care of walls? He's big enough. Is he big enough to take care of walls, except for a little section where it's promised to a lady and her family? I tell you what, that's a biggie to me. That's land of Goshen that was set aside right there in Jericho. It was her territory. It was marked by God by the, by the symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ. The symbol. That leads us in a lot of different places. She was delivered from the destruction. There's destruction talked about in the Bible. In the end times, things are going to happen. My heart, every time I read this, is encouraged to know that Goshen isn't in Egypt. Goshen is in Jesus Christ. And if our faith is in him as our deliverer, and our faith is in him that the blood of Jesus Christ is strong enough to set us apart from destruction, we can walk right through the middle of junk and not even feel the heat of it. To me, that is just amazing. That is a promise spelled out for me. I go back and I read this every so often. There's junk coming, but I don't have to participate in the junk. And I have a, I've told you this already, I have at my house, around my front door, a red cord. It's no, it's, it's no magic. It is a reminder to Cheryl Padgington to remember that what God would do for Rahab, he will do for Cheryl Padgington. He will do that for you. It's my visual that brings it to the surface so that I can remember to praise the Lord. Now, Rahab was a prostitute at one time. But her heart turned towards God. Tell me where she ended up. She's in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. I tell you what, sometimes it's better than blood. It's the relationship with Jesus Christ. I love my sisters, but nothing like I love some of the sisters that I have here in this church. The blood attachment, the fact that we are able to share in the spirit is something Very precious. Very precious. She had a long, full life. She was found to be in the uh, lineage of Jesus Christ himself. What can I learn from today? We should be just about done. 7.59. That's good. (laughs) What can we learn? I'm not sure I understand. Oh, don't do that. She's talking to me. (laughs) What can I learn? The value of unity. I tell you, 
It's just amazing. It's amazing. This is why we go up and we say, will you agree with me in prayer? This is why when you're on the altar team up here and somebody comes up and they say to you, I'm having surgery, will you agree with me? Get where they are so you come in agreement. That unity is so important. You may want more for them than what they want for themselves, but come into agreement. Agreement. Unity is everything. Let's learn from Joshua. He had a walled city in front of him. That was his mountain. He didn't sit down and cry. He didn't shake in his boots. There's lots of responses people can have to big mountains, big walls. First thing he didn't do was fear. You remember Joshua 1? God kept telling him, be strong and of good courage. Courage is in the middle of fear. He was telling him, relax. The word has already gone into the earth. I watch over my word to perform it, to make sure it comes to pass. God's talking to you today, and he's telling you the same thing. No matter how big the mountain is, it really doesn't matter. Don't fear. God's words have been given. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross that we being dead to sin could live unto righteousness, for by his wounds we were healed. Take that and run with it.